in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. The Bucks beat the Eagles 28-22 last night. What do you think of Jalen Hurts? I don't think he's very good. He's doing his best. He's, he's trying hard. He's just not accurate. Like, and it's when he misses some throws, he he, he misses by quite a bit. Hey, that's what they say. Like, Miss big. Like it's he's got the he's got the feet. He looks like competent, poised in terms of running and scrambling. Like he looks fine. Like he ma- looks like he makes he looks the right fine decision until he throws the ball. Right. He looks like he makes the right decision right. of when to scramble, when to like actually throw it down the field, when to get out of the pocket. But the actual accuracy of him throwing it down the field seems to be so bad that it's not going to be workable. Because like like everything else, you'd be like, okay, like there's there's a chance here that Jalen Hurts is awesome, but you just you have to have the accuracy, and I. I don't know that that's something you can truly develop into like a top end skill. Can they get? You just tell us they could get three in the top. They can 10? get three, so they have uh, their own pick, and obviously, if they suck enough, they'll be in the top ten. Uh, who else's pick do they have? They have somebody else's pick, and then they, they that stinks. Yes, and they have the Colts pick if Carson Wentz plays seventy five percent of the snaps this year. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, if if Carson Wentz plays less than 75%, then it, I think it reverts to a second round pick. Okay. But So if the Colts stay bad, uh, the other team they have, I can't remember off the top of my head, if they stay bad, and if the Eagles stay bad, there's a chance they end up with three top 10 okay. picks. Can you imagine, because of all the things in recent years, you have three top 10 picks, you look at all the quarterbacks, you're like, eh, I don't like any of them. Yeah, it'd be brutal. I mean, three top 10 picks, and none of the picks you use are on a quarterback? Uh, Miami is the other team. So if the if the uh, draft was right now, the Eagles would be picking fifth, sixth, and eighth. Oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing! Yeah, because Miami and Indy are both one and four, and Philly's now two and four after losing last night. Fifth, sixth, and eighth. Yeah. Yep. Now, if Carson Wentz gets hurt or benched and doesn't play seventy five percent of the snaps. The Colts keep their pick and Wentz becomes, or that pick becomes a second round pick. And listen, if I'm the Colts and I'm sitting here at like one and six, I'm benching Carson Wentz so I get my top 10 pick. Crazy scenario. Trevor Lawrence is coming out this year. How many of those ones are you giving up for him? All three? Before we saw him well, play no, under yeah, Urban Meyer? We've never seen him. Uh, probably two of them. Two of them? Yeah. If, right. uh, now that we've seen him under Urban Meyer, none of them, but that's probably Urban Meyer more than Trevor yeah. Lawrence. So. Yeah, I mean, you would yeah would have moved up quite a bit because that was the thing last year that was there. There was never a single discussion about Jacksonville trading no, off a one. No, like there was no. never a genuine conversation about well no. they could trade off a one for blank, blank, and blank. It was never even like yeah, it's like no, no, you can offer us whatever. We're not taking it. That's a great, great question. A random twenty-two-year-old snuck into Texas A&M and Alabama with a VIP pass. So here's the story as he told it. He found a VIP pass on the ground outside the stadium and decided, eh, let's see what I can do with this. Uh, he used it to get into the stadium and onto the sideline. And then he came up with the story that he was a kicker on a recruiting visit and he was from Mexico. 
And so he spent the majority of the night sp- speaking like broken English, telling people he couldn't really speak English. He was just a kicker from Mexico. I love this guy. And so they put him They put him with the re- other recruits. He watched the game. He got to go in the locker room before and after the game. He took a picture with the kicker that made the game-winning field goal for Texas A&M. He took a picture with Jimbo Fisher in the locker room after they beat Alabama. Jimbo going up to the uh, person who recruits kickers. Who's this? Who's yeah. this young chap? Who's this fellow? I mean, I would, I would recruit this kid to be part of my PR team. Yes, exactly. So, don't uh, if you find a VIP pass oh. outside a stadium, this is your path to having a good take night. complete advantage of all yeah. of it. So I uh, be a scumbag. Yes. Here's what I want to know because this has been like Sports Illustrated wrote a story on this kid who did this, and it's like. It's very much like a, you know, oh, that's that's a funny story. That's entertaining. It also could have been very bad because a guy who wasn't supposed to be in the VIP well, section. Yes, if he VIP was a complete section. lunatic. Right. And so the the meetings or the the conversations that I want to know about are Texas A&M and they're like security or whoever the hell is the ones that are in charge here and how much they're freaking out about this random kid just wandering into the locker room before and after Texas A&M played Alabama. Well, I also want to know if the VIP said Joe Smith. Yeah, whose and name was on it? That's a good question. Well, how too. did that person get in the stadium? I don't know. Maybe Probably they got turned away. Maybe they were important enough to be like, "Ah, I lost my yeah. credential, but you know me." But I'm like, the AD. Yeah, I'm the AD. <laughs> uh, there's some poor kid who's a kicker from Mexico that's going to be going to like a San Jose State game on a recruiting trip and just be like, I've shown you my ID like six times. Why won't you believe me? Next question. Tony LaRusso will return as the White Sox manager in 2022. Why? Uh, because it apparently that Tim Anderson wants him back. Tim Anderson said, I want him to be back. At the end of the day, my decision doesn't really matter. I guess it all depends on what the front office thinks. I definitely want him in. I think he did a great job with the way he managed and just being open. Well, we know he was open because he likes to say what he thinks. He's obviously <laughs> a guy who doesn't hold back his feelings about anything. So I, I would say that Tim Anderson's right and that Tony LaRusso is an open book. I can't. I, if I'm the White Sox, I don't know why this guy, I don't know why you're bringing him back. I don't think he benefited them at all this season. I don't think one bit did he benefit them. They coasted the second half he of the season. He was a calming influence. They've got blown out in their postseason series. Like, I don't think he benefited them at all. I Like, genuinely, one of us three could have managed the White Sox to the same exact season. Well, they just the hey, hey, right. I could have, I, I would have done some fun stuff. Ex- same exact season that they had. Same exact one. So, Tony LaRusso being back, I don't think it helps the White Sox. So, you don't think if once they fired the Cardinals, fired Mike Schilt, that, uh, they would even have thought, hey, it's Tony. How about the Cardinals? You fire, so you fire Mike Schilt. The guy who got to the 117 in a row and got to the wild card. It's like, yeah, thanks for checking in. Not just that. He's been in the Cardinals organization for 20 years. Yeah. Like, this is a guy, I think I think they said he started as a scout. Yeah. And basically, you know, worked his way up. And they eventually named him manager. And you fire the guy. And by the way, fired over philosophical yeah, what, differences. What in the world was that? They didn't like who he pinch hit in well, the fourth inning of the the wild card game? So, like, if, if the Astros don't give Dusty Baker an extension, right, I can fully understand. They, they'll say something like philosophical differences because their GM they got from the Rays, who's we're probably going to have seven openers next year instead he, of starting he, pitchers. He wants us to use, like, go get talent. Yeah. And I could understand the Astros saying that, but Dusty Baker's been the Astros manager for two years. 
This guy's been in the organization yeah, for, for 20. two decades. Yeah. And what, like, how did he get brought up through the organization and have such drastic philosophical differences that you move on from the guy? Maybe he, maybe it's like the old uh, cop thing where it's like he was one day away from, he could have gotten his pension and they were like, <laughs> Ooh, we're gonna have to let you go. Lou, we have physical, uh, f- <laughs> philosophical uh, differences. Next question: Damian Williams has been placed on the COVID list. He tested positive for COVID, so that means he's uh, not going to play on Sunday against Green Bay. So the Bears are now down their top two running backs. They lost David Montgomery. Now they've lost Damian Williams. It's down to Khalil Herbert is the starter at running back against the Green Bay Packers. And unless he's a new offensive lineman, I don't think it's going to matter much for the Bears to actually. How many people have picked up Khalil Herbert in the last 24 hours? Probably a lot. The guy in my league picked him up on waivers before Damian Williams even had COVID. Because <laughs> I went to pick him up. I was like, oh, he's already gone. Someone's already gone? Yeah, ridiculous. So uh, Damian Williams out, Khalil Herbert in. That's uh, one of the few COVID positive tests that we've seen that's knocked a player out right. so far this year. Hasn't been too many issues this season. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. That was pre-injured Mark Stone. Pre-injured Mark Stone. I don't think he's got anyone right now. Uh, Georgia, who's now number one in the country, host number 11, Kentucky. And all I have to say about this is, did you know Kentucky's undefeated? I did know that, and I'm far more impressed with Kentucky than I am number one Georgia, because Georgia (laughs) might be the best team in college football. So we're far more impressed with Kentucky being number 11 in the country and undefeated. I got nothing else. I'm just, I just okay. wanted to tell everybody Kentucky's undefeated. They're going to lose by 35, but they're undefeated. <laughs> they literally haven't beat Georgia in a decade. <laughs> well, they're not very good at this sport usually. Man, you know, that's a great question. The White Sox plan to trade Craig Kimbrell, according to Bob Nightingale. They traded for him from the Cubs at the deadline. He has a $16 million team option for 2022. They're apparently going to pick it up and try to trade him. Craig Kimbrell had a 0.49 ERA with the Cubs this year. He had a 5.09 ERA with the White Sox. Tony wasn't very open with him. I saw this conversation a couple of times during the Astros-White Sox series and then again yesterday on MLB Network. Do you believe that there are guys that can only pitch in the ninth inning? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, no, I completely agree with and only with a lead. No joke last night. When, when Jansen came in the tied game, I said, he's going to give up a run. You know who was really bad at that? Trevor Hoffman. Like when I was in San Diego, Trevor Hoffman, when he came in with the lead, hell's bells, it was over. I saw him several times either come in tied or sometimes they wanted him to get like four outs instead of three, and he would blow it almost every time. I think there's a mindset in these guys that if they're in with a lead in the ninth, lights out, and if they're not, for whatever reason in their heads, I don't know what it is, that they're not that good. But Jansen was perfect last night. No, he was. One, he was. Two, three. But he hasn't been in the past when they've wanted four outs from him. And and especially when it's tied. When it's in, a, when they have the lead, the whole idea about a save in their head, I think, has a lot to do with it. But if they're tied, those guys are not the same guys. I was surprised last night in him. I was. Because that's been the conversation, is that, oh, Kimbrell's a ninth-inning guy, and yeah. the White Sox blew it by using the yeah. eighth inning. I don't believe that. Really? Get some outs. What are you doing? Well, get some outs. Yeah, obviously easier said than I mean, done. He had a five ERA. Here's here's the thing though. If you've got a player that can only pitch in the ninth inning, you, I don't want that player on my team. 
Because first off, I might off, want him on my team with an 0.49 ERA. <laughs> might want that guy. Not if he can only do it in the ninth <laughs> inning. Get okay. out of here. Oh wow, you've got a you've got a specialist in baseball. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what I'm saying. We're getting rid of those. Who closed <laughs> the game last night for the Dodgers? It was a starting pitcher. It was the best pitcher on the team. Yeah, he's first save in the history of his career. Right? I mean, that's what's uh, happening. We don't need guys that can only get outs in the ninth <laughs> well, inning. Well, good luck changing that listen, in 2021. Listen, if if we're in the fifth inning and the Red Sox have two on with one out and Dusty goes to make a pitching change, I don't want our middle reliever coming in. Go get the damn closer to get Rafael Devers out. Don't bring, don't bring in some bum reliever with a five ERA. Go get your best pitcher on the mound. We got to get over the roles. You, the roles I don't, don't think exist. you have a chance of changing this in 2021. Roles, the, yeah, they're changing it. We got some people to do it. Dusty's done it a couple of times. He did it in the last series. He brought in our closer in the eighth. You inning. should like Dusty more then. I think it's our pitching coach that did it because Dusty's the one that <laughs> walks out there get, to make the you change. You don't want to give Dusty any credit whatsoever. He brought out a starter in a two zero count to I, bring in a reliever who was worse the, than the starter. They, they, I will say every time I've played Dusty Sound lately, I'm. He seems like a really great dude. Like, I I, like, every time he talks, I'm like, this yeah. guy's awesome. Yeah. Outside of the actual I wish three, he was my grandpa. Game, outside of the three, four hours of the game when he's got to make decisions, Dusty Baker's great. Well, great. Is- every time he talks to the media, he's phenomenal. <laughs> every single time. I'm like, yep, that guy's awesome. But I don't, I don't want to make any pitching staff decisions. So what you're saying is we both feel the same about the managers of our team. <laughs> Uh, I'm a little bit more justified than yours. Dave Roberts is going to be a Hall of Famer because he's a manager. <laughs> Dusty Baker, maybe, maybe, but he's never won a World Series. So that'll change this year. Coming up next, oh, the Dodgers are a bunch of cheats. They had to pay off the umps to get to the NLCS. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. Here comes a 1-2 from Duvall. Finds one in the right center field for a base hit. Turner will score. Lux is on his way to third. Bellinger, with the biggest hit of his career, has just given the Dodgers a 2-1 lead. The second you hit it, Cody, you pointed to the dugout. You knew it was through? Yeah, I knew JT had the wheels to get home on that one. <laughs> dude, you got, dude got wheels. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Didn't Cody Bellinger hit a home run in Game 7 of the NLCS last year? He did. How the hell is that the biggest hit of his career? Would, do you think that last night was the biggest hit of Bellinger's no. career? No, okay. an MVP year. You right. go back there, some, at some point he had huge okay. hits. I just, all right, it was a big hit. It was. But, Boy, he knew, man. He pointed right away. Oh, yeah, before the he, bat even b- hit the ground. Before even it hit the ground, Would have been knew. funny if he got, like, thrown out from right yes, field. Exactly. He was Because the shift was on and someone, like, threw him out. <laughs> so, how do you feel about uh, the umpires handing you an NLCS win? Okay, handing's a little strong, but it was a horrible Handed call. Handed it to you. It was you. a terrible call. He didn't oh, even come man. close. I didn't know when he first did it because you had the bad angle, right? Like, oh, it didn't look like it, but he called it. So, okay, he's out. So you go, you know, you celebrate the win if you're a fan of theirs. The replay was <laughs> terrible. I mean, I'd like to think as a Dodger fan that Scherzer would have gotten him anyway, but maybe not. You never know. He's a good. He hits well deep in the count, but, man. That was brutal. I don't know what he was looking at. And he had to be defended afterwards by the – they sent the pool reporter, and he was answering questions. He said, it's what I saw. You've got to call it right away. You know, I haven't looked at the tape. 
But then the home plate umpire jumped in because the pool reporter goes, well, do you re- do you think you missed it? And the home plate, um, home plate um, uh, umpire said, no, 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 we're not going there. He didn't. He doesn't think so. He, like, answered for him. So it was bad. I mean, if I'm the Giants, I'm not happy that it ends that way. No. It's and brutal. It's, okay, the other part about check swings. It's a very weird part in baseball where check swings are a thing. And you have to determine – did the guy commit? And we right. kind of don't really have a great rule. It's just, do you think the ball, you think the bat broke his wrist, right. basically? Broke his wrist. And it's a very weird part of this game, but I do feel like in that situation, if you're the first or third base umpire, it's got to be one of the most well, obvious check swings that yeah. actually went. Like, I, I would end be, it that way. I would be more okay with them missing it Whoa. if he did like actually break his wrist. Than them missing it if he didn't break yes, his wrist. Yes, like, you don't I, want it ending that way. Yeah, like even even if he had broken his wrist, you look back and you say oh, that's still a crappy way to end right. it. Like even though he technically did, but it's just it's such a weird part of the game where you how do you determine if a guy technically swung or not? Because did you know like the official rule book says an attempt to strike the ball. Like there's nothing in the rule book about, about breaking the wrist or anything. That's just how umps have been interpreting it but the official rule is just an attempt to strike the ball he didn't which, come close what yeah which what's the definition of attempting to strike right. the ball I, again some, you're putting subjective things right. in sometimes and often older umpires because they never leave <laughs> uh, i mean why look, would they why would they they get paid a fortune uh, and they never have to have other jobs they don't want to why wouldn't they stay as long as possible right i mean of course you would yeah. but it look it was brutal it's a brutal ending to a game. I mean, you're happy if they won and you're a fan of that team. But when I saw the replay, because, again, I celebrated when they won right away. And then the announcer said, let's look at it from the right angle, right from what the umpire saw. He he doesn't even come close. No, I mean, he barely moves the bat. <laughs> I'm like, what was that? I mean, it was brutal. I was a little he surprised. He had a tea time at around 6.15 this morning, and he was like, all right, this, is taking, this, a little, this is taking a while. I was a little surprised Will Smith even asked for the check. Like I yeah. didn't, I did, I thought it was pretty obvious that they didn't even need to check it, and hey, they won the yeah. game off of it. Um, how do you feel about Dave Roberts' pitching decisions? Was he, I mean, overthinking it, or did he nail it because they only he's, gave up one run? He's done it before. I mean, he nailed it because they gave up one run. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always very, very nervous when Gratterall comes in. I love that guy, Mister Point to the Sky, skip over the line, oh, pound the chest. I oh. love this guy. He's my favorite player on the Dodgers. Really? I love this guy. I could see well, why you. Would. He's the one. He wanted to fight uh, Machado yes, last year yes. in the play. He, threw, yes. he just threw his hat last yes. year at one point. Like, says, let's go. <laughs> I love this guy, and he throws like a hundred like, three. Like, there, there was yeah, there was a pitch the other night uh, when he was in there. The guy, I, the announcer goes. That's 103. I have not seen that number in a really long time. I I genuinely I remember leading right up to the trade deadline, somebody had a report out there that the Dodgers were had, looking to move him. We're looking to move him and I was like, "My god, go trade for this guy." Like I want this guy on my team. He's <laughs> he's unbelievably fun and again, he throws 103 yes. miles an hour. I love that guy. He's my favorite Dodger, no doubt about it. So, Dave Roberts goes opener, Corey Knable, and then doubles down and goes with Gratterall before going to Julio Urias, the starter who didn't start, uh, in the third inning. Did, did he use the, that opener reliever strategy simply so he could pinch hit the first time through the order for the pitcher spot without burning Urias? 
I thought it was more in what the Giants lineup would be. I thought he was getting I thought he was uh forcing Gabe Kapler to make some lineup decisions. At least that was the storyline before the game. But that didn't I mean, end I don't up actually know if, happening. I don't know if Gabe Kapler made yeah. any lineup decisions. So he started the same lineup. Okay, so here so to me there's there's two things when it go, comes to why you would use an opener when you have a good starter ready to go. Like you might use an opener if you don't have a good starter and you're going on a bullpen day. But right. when you when you have like Urias was good to go. Like this wasn't like a short rest or anything. Urias was good to go, but they just decided to use an opener. There's two reasons. One is what I think Dave Roberts did last night was to be able to pinch hit the first time the pitcher spot came right. up without burning Julio Urias. The other reason is to basically steal some outs for your starter because what we've seen managers are less likely to let their starter face the order a third a time. third time sure when the when the leadoff guy comes up a third yeah. time a lot of managers are pulling their pitchers even Dusty Baker yeah. does it now too if you start an opener in the first inning and let's say he faces four hitters right and then you bring in your starter and he faces the five hitter to start the game when he gets to the third time through the order for him It'll be the fifth hitter that's coming up to face him for the third time. So you can steal effectively another inning out of your starter because most people are going to be okay. Well, he's going to face five, six, seven for a third time. That's a lot better than facing one, two, three for a third time. I actually hope Dusty Baker does that in this upcoming series. He's not, but I think it would be smart if he did. But that's one reason why you would do it is that way you can get, you can have your starter face the order a third time or at least start the order a third time. But it's the bottom half of the order, not the top half of the order. Did Dusty Baker call for the Chris Taylor bunt? Oh, what a terrible bunt. How and a bad. dumb situation. First of all, he didn't even need to bunt. The ball's, you know, uh, above his chest. He didn't even need to bunt. It might just pull it back, and maybe they then maybe they then come in a little, and you let him swing away. The guy who almost hit it out, who hit it to the track, who's very good at hitting fly balls, Chris Taylor's swing allows him to hit a lot of fly balls, and you're bunting him. Right? I, I was like... Who called for that? And and the other thing is the runner on third. It wasn't a squeeze no, play. It wasn't even a like, safety squeeze. He didn't go. But which led me to go- believe was that just Taylor doing that? Can't I mean if it's a safety right? squeeze? I think Lux was on third. Was it Lux? I don't remember who was on. Okay, third I at think the time. it was. I think it was Lux, and it was. This, and they're like, "Well, that's a safety squeeze." I said, "Well, then someone better tell Gavin Lux because he was three feet <laughs> off third base. He wasn't even coming down the line." That was the weirdest play. And of course, I'm screaming at Roberts. But the more I thought about him, like, was that just Chris Taylor? Because if he gets it down, you they don't just throw score him the up. Run. Yeah, you, the run no, doesn't score he stands if he gets there. that done because it wasn't a suicide squeeze. No. And so if he gets it down, you're you're moving Bellinger up to second for the pinch hitter to come up for the pitcher and two outs. That no, it's it's incredibly dumb. Like it's horrible, right? Even if it's a well executed bunt, the Dodgers you're giving don't up really the out. Gain it wasn't even a safety squeeze. Yeah. You're giving up the out. So I of course am screaming at Doc Roberts. But the more I thought, I, like the I an inning later, I'm like okay, but Chris Taylor's not dumb. No, he's not. And but again, I mean. Again, his two at-bats, he hit long fly balls. He could have gotten in the air. Yeah. Chris Taylor's a good enough hitter to where he would have known what he had to do and probably been able to do it, and they bunt him or he bunts it, and I'm just like, that was the dumbest, most right. idiotic play I've ever seen in a long time. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, what was that? When he did that and it popped up, I just sat there staring at the screen thinking, who called that? Because <laughs> like you said, it was Lux because Lux comes before Bellinger, he never moved. No. So you, if even if it's a safety squeeze, give him some kind of, you know, some kind of identification or some kind of sign that hey, I'm going to be doing this. Nothing. Yeah. 
I I mean, I is Chris Taylor? What does he think? He's Trey Turner speed? I don't know what he was thinking. It was the weirdest play. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Justin Emerson joins the show. No way in hell Ed knows who Bruzdar Gretarol is. Robin, it was a pretty exciting three-on-three, and then it goes to the shootout. I'm curious kind of what you think about the shootout in general, whether that you kind of like the format or if you think that there should be more extended three-on-three or basically how overtime would go if you have the choice. You think I like the shootout? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. (laughs) Robin, thanks for the time. Thank you. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Justin Emerson. Good morning, Justin. So, Justin... Playing all the hits this morning, are we, uh, boys? Yeah, we're waiting for some new ones from you. We thought you might be, you know, you have a new baby, delirious might lead to something good for us, but we haven't gotten it yet. I woke up about eight seconds ago, so <laughs> we're going to uh, we're going to see how this interview goes. Congratulations on the arrival of your son. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate we're very, it. very excited for you. How much sleep did you get last night? None. Last night I got, I think, about four hours, oh, which... Solid. is an improvement over the last couple of nights. It was it was a good night. I got to sleep in a little bit. It was a good night. Massive uptick in sleep <laughs> to four hours for Justin Emerson. It, yeah, yeah. When uh, when they tell you that you're not going to get a lot of sleep, they weren't kidding. Well, can't you just take like 30-minute naps throughout the day with your son? Well, I'm going to, I guess, now. <laughs> I, uh yeah. Tyler Bishop yeah. with parent, parental yeah. advice. Just Tyler is doing yeah. this from his extensive <laughs> knowledge experience as an owner of a dog. My dog naps a lot during the day. If I want to take a nap with him, I can. It's easy. Just go do it. Um, I'll start taking take your advice. Uh, all right, Justin. Uh, we've seen the Golden Knights play two hockey games. They weren't particularly good in either one of them, and they weren't very good in the preseason. Now Mark Stone might be injured for a long time. Uh, this team any good at hockey? I think they're pretty good at hockey, uh, and obviously, yeah, it's two games, but they they haven't they haven't looked great. I mean, one thing that we've always kind of known about Vegas is even when they struggle to put the puck in the net a little bit, they've been able to control play. You know, have have the puck on their stick, keep possession, and they haven't they haven't really done that in either game, and especially the Kings game last night. That was that was, that was kind of shocking to see. I mean, giving up forty seven shots um, to Los Angeles, who supposed to be all that good this year is that was not good in Seattle you know maybe you give them a little bit of a pass because it's their first game and they're all fired up and everything but Seattle looked like the better possession team for a long stretch of the time in that game too so and if Mark Stone is out you know maybe it's fair to wonder about this team a little bit now that said they've got a couple of days off before uh before their next game if they come out and beat up on the Blues everything's going to be fixed and that's kind of uh that's kind of how it goes early in the season right well, if he's seen in a wheelchair and they say day-to-day uh, and they say lower or upper body injury and he is hurt, uh, what do you do? We talked about this earlier. If he's out for an extended period of time, what would you do? Uh, that, that's interesting. I think that depends if you can get you know, kind of that fourth line that you want back. You know, Matias Yanmark, William Carrier, Nicholas Waugh, all out right now. So that, that just kind of compounds it. I don't... I kind of like the idea of throwing Peyton Krebs up on that top line, personally. He's got the speed that can kind of roll with Stevenson. He's got the defensive prowess that can kind of let, 
you know, Pacioretty work the way that Stone does. I, that would be, that would be an interesting line to me. I know Krebs has kind of been uh, a, a left winger so far at the NHL level, but he's played right wing at world junior camp last year for team Canada. That would be the one that I would want to see. And if you're going to kind of let your top prospect work a little bit, putting him in the best opportunity to succeed would, could, could be a lot of fun to kind of see how that goes. I know you just mentioned some of the injuries they have and guys they're playing without, but we haven't really seen the bottom six be uh, remotely good at anything so far this year. What's your concern level that the entirety of the season, the bottom six is going to be just as good or worse than it was last year? Well, I, I'll push back on that a little bit because I did think that that third line that, um, you know, it was Dadnov, Kolasar and Patrick was, was pretty good last night. I mean, that was kind of the bright spot. And of course, by the, by, you know, it wasn't that long before the game was kind of out of reach and they were shaking up lines, but you know, they played about five minutes of five on five together. And they had, I think it was the golden Knights out attempted the Kings nine, one and out scoring chance them eight, nothing. So that one, I kind of liked. Um, and the fourth line right now has been very patchwork. So I'm, I'm not putting any, any stock into what happened with the fourth line. We've played two games, and they've used six different players on the fourth line. So that one I wouldn't worry too much about. That third line, though, I think is, is, showing, is showing good signs. So if you can kind of get everybody healthy and that's going to be your third line, you get Carrier, Yanmar, Wall, Howden, all these guys back, and you get them on the fourth line, I, I think it's a little too early to judge the bottom six right now. Should Anyone be worried that Keegan Colasar is their best fighter? <laughs> Man, he got he got beat up a little bit last yeah. night. Eh? Um, <laughs> no, uh, just because. I mean, how many? I think Ryan Reeves had three fights last year. So, like for all the talk about how much Ryan Reeves was kind of this, you know, the enforcer of the team, the big guy that they send out to go fight, he really didn't fight as much as maybe you or I think he did. Right. Um, so I I'm not worried. If if there's not a great fighter. And by the way, have you seen, you know, maybe he doesn't do it a lot. When Mark Stone throws down, he kind of means business. Really? I haven't seen, I have, well, yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think back. I think, he's had, think, two, back I think and, he's had two with Vegas. He, he went full wild man against Nashville two years ago, I think. And I want to say that he fought the Rangers within the first couple of weeks of him being traded. He looked pretty good in those. So he can hold his own. He better fight Ryan Reeves when they play the Rangers. A crazy hair of his. Maybe he gets it done. Yeah, he looks insane. That's what I'm saying. The hair goes wild, gets a crazy look in his eyes. It's kind of fun. Uh, all right, uh, take us inside here. The biggest scoop of your career. How did you break the news that ESPN will no longer use the abbreviation VGS? Well, you know, I worked all my sources, got <laughs> a bunch of people to talk, met people in a uh, in a dark alley. No, I I mean, I emailed ESPN comps, and that's, that's what they said. <laughs> what, okay, hold on. What did they say back? Because it's it's something that I, I have to imagine it kind of annoyed the Golden Knights, like, front office or whatever, that's like, hey, why the hell is ESPN using the wrong abbreviation here? Well, Kerry Bublitz, the team president, retweeted me yesterday and said, thank you, go Knights, go. So, yeah, I do think that maybe they're like, what is VGS? We've never been VGS. But apparently VGS was the ESPN internal style. And um, they're now going to defer to the NHL style, which is VGK. Um, why it was VGS in the first place, I have no idea. ESPN is the only place I have ever seen that be the abbreviation for the team. So it was a little silly, and thankfully they're they're gonna they're gonna kind of get over get over that, and it'll be it'll be fixed moving forward. Should we blame Bill Foley because he didn't make this team the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Otherwise, it would have just been LV. 
Yeah, I guess so. If you want, if you want to do that, but yeah. then there's four, so it could be L B G K. I don't know. You're asking Tyler to blame someone and be okay with it, so I think yeah. that'll be fine. That's what we do around here, we, we, pack, we blame, hand out blame. We just blame. Him. What's been the that best part about being a first-time father? Um, I mean, I think the corny, true answer is just seeing seeing that little boy look at me. It's the coolest thing in the world when he's sitting on my chest. Um, and he's, he's kind of bouncing up and down. It's, it's a magical feeling. And I am surprised at how much I love that little guy so much. Um, the, yeah, I don't really have a funny answer. I'm going to just stick with that one. Yeah. Well, wait till he's in his twenties and he wants Venmo every day. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the way, the way the world's going, he's going to want Venmo when he's four. So (laughs) never mind when he's 20. And uh, tell Justin what your son got you for your birthday. Oh, it was really good. So during the day, he's telling his mom, like, oh, I'm going to get him like some gear, some shirts or anything. She's like, nah, don't do that. You know, you're spending a lot of money. He'll be fine. So he walked in and he said, hey, happy birthday, Dad. I said, fine. And he kind of put down a piece of cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory. I'm like, oh, thanks, T. You went out of your way on that one. (laughs) And uh, he goes, yeah. And pretty much, I think he ate 75% of it. I had a bite, and I stupidly put it back in the refrigerator because I'm like, yeah, it's pretty rich. You know, I didn't, didn't uh, do much exercise. I can't do this. And the next day, I said, hey, I like a little of that uh, uh, peanut butter chocolate uh, cheesecake. Uh, and he just looked at me and says, yeah, that's gone. I said, okay. Thanks for the birthday present. Long gone. <laughs> Long gone. Aww. So you got something yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> Going to get a pumpkin yeah, spice latte. Got, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're like two months from Christmas. Let's see what I uh, uh, let's see how good of a gift giver a uh, two month old is. That is the key question here, which Jared just brought up, and this is probably for for Elaine more than you. When will this young man start being like filled up with the pumpkin spice? Because when she, when it hits the when it hits the Starbucks each year, she's the, she's like in front of the line. Buddy, if you don't think that he was in a pumpkin onesie within four <laughs> hours of being born, then you don't know my wife. <laughs> Oh, that's, beautiful. All, that's all I wanted. Yep. That's oh, all beautiful. I want. Well, he is Justin Emerson <laughs> from the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, enjoy trying to sleep, Justin. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, the pumpkin spice at that house. Oh, boy. boy he's going to get him a pumpkin spice latte for his birthday, yes. and then he's going to be like, oh, yeah, it's a little hot right now. And he's yeah. going to come back in, and he's going to be like, well, what happened to it? Oh, yeah, yeah it's gone. around the house. Nothing about that conversation encouraged me to have a kid. No, nothing. No. He could no. no, of course not. No reason. You to could have one. Be... Okay. Have you ever hung out with someone else's dog? Yeah. They're not as good as your dog. Oh, my dogs are horribly behaved. We oh were, no, we but just... I'm saying like you you like your dog. Yeah, you like oh, your dog. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the premise. It's like no one else having a kid is ever gonna convince you to have a kid. You're literally just gonna be like, I like mine. Yours you, sucks. You could actually well, you could like it early on because, like you said, you just pretty much sit around and hope they sleep and on your chest, and it's great. As much TV and games as you watch, you'd love it. Kid, right. just sleep on your chest. You just keep all those ten TVs on. You just go back and forth watching yeah. those games. You're gonna have then he poops his pants, and I gotta go change it. What am I doing? Missing the sixth <laughs> inning because I gotta change a diaper? Yes. No. Yes. Are you are, are, me? What are you talking about? You set up a television at the changing at the changing sta- station. You never well, miss anything. Oh. God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> nothing about this sounds remotely fun. Man. Uh, 
a life. I, I just, I really, like, I, I kind of want, like, a random baby to arrive on Tyler's. Yes, like, exactly. a, like, a sitcom level. Just, I will now walk you it ha- to my neighbors and put it on their front door. What are you Jeez. talking about? Uh, random baby shows up on my doorstep? I ain't saying that thing's not coming to my house. Wow. You kidding me? Why would that thing be allowed in my house? Uh, That's ridiculous. Unbelievable. All right. What are we giving away here? Porta subs? Is it time for the Porta subs tailgate tray? Here we go. We got the Porta subs football tailgate tray. You will win a six foot sub, and you'll be qualified to win a new Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo Cars Las Vegas. 702 364 1100 is the phone number. 702 364 1100. We'll take caller number six right now at 702 364 1100. You'll get the Porta Subs football tailgate tray, a six foot sub, and be qualified to win a new Yeti cooler. Is Tyler a know it all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Cornette is the running back and his quarterback keeper by Tom Brady. Six. Six foot four inch Tom Brady, and he gets the first down. Decision to go for it there on fourth and three, just trying to end the game there? Or? Yeah, trying to ice it and uh, trust our offense to get it done, and then we didn't get it done, you know. So uh, you win some, you lose some. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Congratulations to Reed. He won the Porta Subs football tailgate tray and has entered a chance to win a Yeti cooler. Uh, some non-playoff baseball news here. The Oakland A's, who might be moving out of Oakland, might not be moving out of Oakland. Uh, Rob Manfred spoke earlier this week, and he gave this quote. that's a little bit interesting if we're uh, sitting here in Las Vegas. They, referring to the A's, They've been talking to Las Vegas, and that's gotten a lot of publicity. But there are options in terms of relocation in addition to Las Vegas. Portland giving him a billion dollars? Might be. Why is Rob Manfred saying there are other cities besides Las Vegas when Dave Cavill has said multiple times the only city they're looking at is Las Vegas? Whoa. And Oakland. They mustn't be communicating well. <laughs> I I I saw yesterday we I, talked about this a rendering on Twitter that was not the rendering of what a ballpark would look like. It was just a random tweet. Yeah, it was a random tweet. But the number one billion dollars, just like um, uh, Cobble has said in the McAker story, I just I'm I'm waiting and waiting, and I think you are too, to find out what they think they're getting in terms of public money in this town. I. I mean, when I see one billion, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. You're what? What do you think you're getting here? When the legislature has also always or also said, there's no temperature for this nonsense anymore. We already gave 750 million dollars to the football yeah. team until until we have something in terms of hey, the A's want blank amount of money from Las Vegas or Henderson or Clark County. Yeah. Then I don't believe they're moving here. And even when they say, hey, we want 500, 500 million. million. I still won't believe they're moving here until they say this is how we're going to pay for it right. and people are on board with it. Until we hear that, I don't think they're coming here because they still get They've got $495 million sitting back in Oakland that they can use to build their ballpark there. Um, on this Manfred thing, I think you might be on to it. They're not communicating there, but I think it's just another point to this is all just leverage. 
Yeah. Because now they're playing Las Vegas. On right. Leverage. Exactly. <laughs> because what the A's do not have in Vegas right now, they don't have like a location, stadium rendering, and a financing plan. Right. And without that, Las Vegas is not a real threat. But if you're Rob Manfred and you get up there and say, well, they've talked to Las Vegas. Well, do you think they have a financing plan and they're not saying it because they know Las Vegas would say you're out of your minds? <sighs> Maybe. They might. They might be like, yeah, you guys give us $750 million, yeah. just like the Raiders. And we're we'll, coming. We'll put a ballpark here. They might. And they know that Las Vegas would say, ha, no. Um, right. But Manfred being out here saying there are other <laughs> cities, I think it's just Manfred trying yes. to basically stir up, hey, Oakland's not going to Because the other quote Manfred gave was, frankly, in some ways, we're not sure we see a path to success in terms of getting something built in Oakland. When there's very clearly a path to success, there's going to be a meeting in a week. They've already the got $500 million. Right. That's a pretty good path. And there's going to be a meeting in a week where they might get another $400 yes. million. Like, there's very clearly a path to it working in Oakland. There's a better path there than anywhere yeah. else.